well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you're joining us in the program today. We're going to be talking, um, we're going to be talking elections. We're going to be looking back at the Virginia elections last week. We're going to be looking ahead to the midterms, which, uh, wow, are one year away to the day. November 8th, 2022, we will all head to the polls. We will decide who's going to control the Senate, who's going to control the uh, House, and who's going to control a lot of state legislatures and uh, governorships as well. And, you know, if you're a Democrat, you are uh, maybe even not so quietly freaking out. You're definitely freaking out right now. After the earthquake that was the uh, 2021 elections where Republicans sweeping uh, statewide elections in Virginia, something they haven't done over a decade, uh, darn near unseating uh, Phil Murphy in New Jersey, a state that Joe Biden won by 16 points just a year ago. So, yeah, the, the Democrats are uh, skittish doesn't even begin to describe it. And then you got this story from the uh, New York Times. Democrats thought they bottomed out in rural white America. It wasn't the bottom. Republicans ran up the margins in rural Virginia counties. The latest sign that Democrats, as one lawmaker put it, continue to tank in small town America. And indeed, we actually discussed this on uh, Bearing Arms Camp and Company last week. Good to see the Times recognizing this. They write, uh, in 2008, there were only four small Virginia counties where Republicans won 70% or more of the vote in that year's presidential race. Nowhere was the party above 75%. This year, Mr. Yunkin was above 70% in 45 counties and surpassed 80% in 15 of them. Steve Bullock, former governor of Montana, Democrat, said, look at some of these rural Virginia counties as a wake-up call. Uh, he says that the uh, Democrats need to compete in more conservative parts of the country. He said, folks don't feel like we're offering them anything or hearing or listening to them. Well, I, I would agree with that. And I think one of the big issues, frankly, is gun control. Uh, which is, uh, you know, look, a right of every American, whether you live in midtown Manhattan or rural Montana, it is your right to keep and bear arms in self-defense. But I think it uh, it is also the fact that uh, gun ownership is more prevalent uh, in the suburbs and certainly the rural parts of the country than it is in big, deep blue cities, right? And so for quite a while, Democrats have thought, well, you know what, we, we can ignore the rural vote. Or we can try to appeal to them through things like, you know, rural broadband and stuff like that. But we can go after their guns. And it's okay if we lose that rural vote because it's going to be offset by the gains that we'll make in these cities and the suburbs. Well, clearly, uh, that experiment has been conducted. Uh, the hypothesis has been tested. And look, the hypothesis worked until it didn't, right? In Virginia, Democrats did win the last few elections. Joe Biden did win by 10 points last November. But I have argued and I've been arguing for the past two years, that the uh, Democrats' immediate push for gun control, including a ban on AR-15s and, uh, quote-unquote, large-capacity magazines that uh, Democrats in Virginia tried to put in place, would have required existing gun owners to hand over their guns. I mean, it was, it was, it was Joe Biden's gun ban. It was only done at the state level, and it was done, frankly, before Biden uh, was uh, declared the president of the United States. Democrats in Virginia tried to enact his gun ban. They couldn't do it, by the way, because of a couple of rural Democrat state senators who said, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, maybe if we're talking about, you know, grandfathering in existing owners, maybe I'd go along with that, but like taking guns from people, I, I can't get on board with that. 
That should have been a red flag warning sign for Democrats nationwide. When rural Democrat senators in Virginia said, whoa, whoa, that's a bridge too far for me. I can't go along with that. Democrats should have said, hey, Joe, um, you know how we were talking about running for president? And uh, I know you want to appeal to the gun control lobby, but um, maybe you don't talk about taking guns away from legal gun owners. But it wasn't just Biden. It was Biden. It was Beto O'Rourke. It was Eric Swalwell. It was the vast majority of the Democrat Party. And it continues to be the vast majority of the Democrat Party, even though they're not quite as vocal about it these days, right? Well, the New York Times says that uh, not only uh, did Democrats do uh, awfully poorly in the uh, rural parts of Virginia, they did badly in the suburbs as well. They they say the uh, twin results raise a foreboding possibility for Democrats that the party is simply leased the suburbs in the Trump era while Republicans may have bought and now even own or now own even more of rural America. Republicans have never had a demographic stronghold as reliable as black voters have been for Democrats, a group that delivers as many as 9 out of 10 voters for the party. But some Democratic leaders are now sounding the alarm. What if rural white voters, of which there are many, start voting that reliably Republican? That'd be bad news for Democrats. But again, it's also a problem of their own devising. Because the party continues to treat gun owners, and I would argue white rural gun owners, with contempt. When it's not politicians... Uh, it, it's, it's the left's influencers. I don't know. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. I haven't for quite some time. But every now and then, you know, somebody says something on Saturday Night Live and, and it makes the headlines and then you look back. Okay. So apparently on a Weekend Update, Michael Shea uh, decided to mock Winston Sears, the newly elected lieutenant governor of Virginia, the first black female elected to statewide office in the state of Virginia, a Republican a uh, first-generation American, a uh, retired Marine, and a staunch Second Amendment advocate. And, of course, this was the picture that Michael Shea used when some Sears standing there with her uh, AR-15. And Shea said, quote, that uh, she was, uh, quote, attempting suicide by a cop by posing with her rifle, and added that, quote, this is actually a win for Democrats because nothing will get Republicans to support gun control faster than this picture. Meaning, of course, and if you're a rural white gun owner, why, you must be a racist. And I would argue that as long as Democrats continue to hold rural voters in such contempt, then they will lose the rural vote by staggeringly large margins. You know, that is the, it is the simplistic stereotype that the left applies, I think, to conservatives more broadly. Uh, but particularly in rural Virginia and in rural America, right? If I'll be honest with you. If you look like me, if you're a white guy over the age of 40, got your ball cap, you got your big beard, you got your hoodie, you live out in the stick somewhere, why, you must be, in the words of uh, Jeff Foxworthy, a redneck. And not only must you be a redneck, but you must be a racist redneck, right? If you're opposed to critical race theory or the ideology behind it being imposed on your kids, that doesn't make you a concerned parent. No, that just makes you a bigot, right? And again, as long as this is the attitude that Democrats bring to voters, yeah, they're going to lose those voters. They're going to lose those votes. Now, look, I'm a conservative. I, 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 I don't know 
what it would take for me to vote for a Democrat. It would probably take, I'll, you know what, I'll tell you what it would take. It would take a somebody who's more conservative than Joe Manchin running as a Democrat. <laughs> and it would take uh, an absolute loon running as a Republican. And no libertarian on the ballot. That's what it would take for me to vote Democrat. But I, I, I realize plenty of my friends and neighbors are more uh, flexible and fluid in their voting preferences. But one thing that they will not endorse is a candidate who views them and their neighbors and their family and their community with disdain. And that is the Democrat Party right now when it comes to rural America. And it doesn't have to be this way. They could, uh, you know, the Democratic Party could say, well, all right, listen, we're, uh, we're, we're hemorrhaging votes because we keep attacking people's, you know, fundamental rights. Um, maybe we need to show as much respect for the Second Amendment as we do, let's say, the right to have an abortion. But I don't think Democrats are capable of doing that, at least as a national party. I'm curious to see if we find some uh, Democrats running for either local state office or maybe even Congress next year who are, are willing to adopt a pro-Second Amendment point of view, particularly if the Supreme Court, uh, Supreme Court comes out and says, look, New York's may issue carry laws, unconstitutional. We're striking them down. You got to have shall issue uh, at the very minimum. Uh, if you want to go constitutional carry, that's great, but you at least have to uh, provide a way for the average citizen to exercise their right to bear arms in self-defense. If if the anti-gun lobby takes a hit like that, let's say next June or July, it's going to be a little late for uh, for Democrats. I mean, that's coming after the Democratic primaries, right? So we're going to be at least close to, if not in, the general election season for the midterms. So I'm guessing we're, we're going through at least one more election cycle with Democrats wedded to this idea that your right to keep and bear arms really isn't a right at all. It's a privilege that can be restricted uh, to, to whatever extent the, uh, the state deems necessary. And after that drubbing that I suspect they're going to take next year, then and maybe then, Democrats will be ready to uh, take another look at the legal landscape regarding a right to keep and bear arms and come to the conclusion that... Uh, not only is trying to ban and arrest our way to safety a, a bad idea from a public safety perspective, but, but they are now trying to inhibit the exercise of a civil right. And that puts them on the uh, wrong side of this issue, I would argue, the wrong side of history as well. I think the Democrats can turn things around in rural America, but not as long as they are exhibiting this outright hostility towards the Second Amendment and those Americans who exercise their Second Amendment rights. And again, as Michael Shea made clear on Saturday Night Live over the weekend, we are a ways away from the uh, Democrats learning their lesson about uh, treating voters with such contempt. All right, let's go to our armed citizen story, our uh, good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there uh, with a uh, story. Where is this story out of? I, I got my stories a little mixed up here. Northwest Indiana, Crown Point. Uh, Indiana, where a man charged in a shooting on Halloween that left a 13-year-old dead and another teenager wounded. Turns out this guy's actually on probation for another shooting just two years ago. Yeah. Desmond Cruz, 23 years of age, from Gary, Indiana, charged last Wednesday with murder and attempted murder in connection with the shooting on Halloween, that killed a 13-year-old named Thomas Dela Cruz Jr. 
wounding another as they were trick-or-treating. Record shows that Desmond Cruz was among several men accused of shooting into a group of trick-or-treaters, police still seeking other suspects. It was April of last year that Cruz was sentenced to 18 months in prison and 18 months on probation for a shooting back in September of 2019. April of 2020, he was sentenced to a year and a half in prison. He was out seven months later. Yeah, didn't even serve half of that 18-month sentence. Released in November of 2020, according to the Indiana Department of Corrections. According to charging documents in the 2019 case, Cruz fired 13 to 14 rounds from an AK-style pistol into two apartments, one of which was uh, occupied by his ex-girlfriend and two of her family members, another occupied by a neighbor. He ended up pleading down to reckless uh, criminal recklessness, which is a level six felony. He admitted in a plea agreement that he went to the residence to speak to his ex-girlfriend, excessively knocked on the door, fired multiple shots into two occupied apartments. And again, got a plea deal. 18 months. Did seven. Back out on the streets. And now, he stands accused of murder. Now, it seems like there was eyewitness testimony that could put Cruz at the scene of that 2019 shooting. I'm not sure why prosecutors decided to go for the plea bargain unless they just wanted the easy win. But if this guy had actually faced real consequences for that 2019 shooting, I, I, I think it is very possible that a 13-year-old boy would be alive today instead of being murdered as he went door-to-door asking for a trick-or-treat. Today's uh, armed citizen story, I got to move on because that one just pisses me off. Today's armed citizen story, Liberty County, Georgia. A man shot and killed after a uh, break-in over the weekend. It's from uh, WSAV. Say it just happened uh, 9 p.m. Saturday in uh, Hinesville, Georgia, at the uh, Victory Manor Mobile Park. Don't have a lot of details about this case, but the uh, sheriff there in Liberty County says that the uh, homeowner shot and killed the suspected burglar as he was trying to get inside the residence. Apparently, he did not gain entry, but he was actively trying to make his way inside. When deputies arrived on the scene, they found the man's body in the road. They continue to investigate the uh, death. Right now, no further details have been made available. We will uh, keep our eyes on this story. Uh, Right now, it appears to be a clear-cut case of self-defense, but we'll let you know if anything changes. And finally today, our uh, good deed of the day, Honolulu, Hawaii, where a, a police officer in the right place at the right time wasn't able to do the right thing to stop a baby, or to help a baby, rather, who had uh, stopped breathing. Officer uh, Dean Terakawa, who's uh, on duty in East Honolulu, said he was at the uh, Hawaii Kai substation. It was Saturday night. He sees a truck pull into the parking lot. And then uh, two people get out with the baby, and they rush forward. Officer uh, Terakawa said the parents came out. They told me their baby wasn't breathing. Baby was hot, had a high fever, looked like it was going in and out of seizures, like mini seizures. So Officer Terakawa told dispatch, call paramedics. He said the baby started turning blue. So I said, give me the baby. Put him in the back of my truck. Just started giving him mouth to mouth. After about uh, 10 breaths, baby did inhale. Officer Terakawa says the uh, color came back. Baby still had difficulty breathing, but at least it was breathing on its own. So it's all about saving the baby. And he said, uh, I know exactly what those parents are going through. He said, when my youngest was 17, or was small, he said, uh, 17 and a half years ago, same thing happened to her. She had a high fever. She stopped breathing. 
She had a seizure. He said, I knew exactly what the parents were feeling. He says that uh, he is glad that he was in the right place at the right time, just doing his job, he said. Well, may all be in a day's work for uh, Dean Terakawa, but uh, I certainly do appreciate his uh, willingness and his ability uh, to respond so quickly. Baby transported local hospital, last report to be stable. And uh, hopefully 17 and a half years from now, the baby's parents can uh, look back and uh, still offer their thanks for a, a life well lived for their uh, child. Thanks in large part to the life-saving efforts of Officer uh, Terakawa there in Honolulu, Hawaii. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Uh, don't forget, by the way, if you like what you heard today, you like what you see at BearingArms.com, you can always become a VIP member. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you will get a significant discount on your VIP membership. It's our way of saying thanks uh, for supporting us, because your support allows us to do things like this program each and every day, bring you uh, conversations and interviews with folks that you just won't find anywhere else. We know the uh, media out there is awfully anti-gun, but uh, we are doing our best to provide some balance to the conversation. And all you got to do, just go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can uh, help show your support. And we do thank you very much. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest segment of news and information. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free. <laughs> <laughs>